all right. We just wanted to see if, wow. We'll chill for just a second as Satan's trying to get a hold of this morning, right? So we're not going to let that happen. So um, real quick, let me pray again so that I can get my heart ready. So if you would, let's pray. Jesus, we thank you so much for this morning, Lord. We thank you for, uh, man, for friends and for family. But most of all, we thank you for you and who you are. And so, Jesus, I pray that during this service, the first and the, the, the most important thing that we do this morning is to glorify you in everything we do. We thank you for worship. I pray, Lord, that as uh, we seem to have some technical difficulties, Father, I pray that you put your hand upon this service. And I just pray that you do something just incredible with it. Touch our hearts in a way that draw us closer to you, Jesus. And maybe for some, maybe into a relationship with you. And so, Jesus, just take a hold of this service. And, uh, and, and I pray that you're honored here this morning. In your precious name, amen. So, hey, so the day may be the day. Go ahead and let some of y'all know if you've been here for a while. First of all, my name is Jack. I'm the student pastor here at the church. I do preach barefooted. Chuck Spencer told me I needed to tell y'all that because I can't see too well. And so this keeps me falling off the stage. For some that are out there, they've been praying for a long time. I would just kind of take a tumble. To, Man, it just be so excited. You know, we kind of get the Pentecostal thing and have people truly falling out. So, um, but I do this so I can keep my toes on this board so I don't fall off. Today may be the day I fall. Um, last Saturday, I threw my back out. So uh, this morning, I'm on some painkillers and muscle relaxers, so there's no telling what may happen. So, and I'm about to get jacked up on a lot of Dr. Pepper, but we're going to have fun while we do it. So, um, hey, real quick, we're going to be in Ezekiel chapter 37 today. So if you have your Bibles, Ezekiel chapter 37. But I want to start off with a story. Uh, I've been in youth ministry now for a long, long time, a little over 21 years, I think. And um, I remember my first ever youth ministry Here's, here's, a, here's something that will never happen at this church, but it happened because back 20 years ago, I was just kind of getting my feet wet in the ministry. I didn't know right from wrong, if you know what I mean, with some of the stuff we did. And here's one of the wrong things I did. We did a lock-in. Lock-ins are from the depths of hell. I'm just going to go ahead and let you know. Uh, so I've had some students sometimes, hey, are we going to do a lock-in? And it's like, No ain't happening. Listen, I'm old. I get cranky after about eight o'clock. And for me to have some middle schoolers just running around and not listening to me, I'm going to go to jail because I snapped their necks. And so it's just good for me and them that we don't do lock-ins because um, I'll kill somebody. And so, and, and, but at this point, I was still kind of young, still kind of dumb. It's like, man, yeah, let's do a lock-in. It'll be real cool. And so uh, we did a lock-in. The church that I was at had a fairly large cemetery next to it. And so we were out playing a game. It was probably two, three o'clock in the morning because that's when lock-ins kind of really pick up and go. And we're out there, and me and one of my buddies had this great idea that, that was helping me. He ran back into the church as we were outside playing, and he had one of those scream costumes on. If you don't know what it is, it's, it's, it's basically just this, it's, it's black from the feet up, it's got a hood on it and a white mask. And he got the one that you could hit the button and it'd kind of make the eyes glow. And so we thought, hey, you know, we can have a lot of fun with the teenagers just kind of messing with them when, you know, this little guy comes running out. And it was like, let's do it. And so we're at the lock-in, right? And, and we're at the um, cemetery and there's a couple of us that are sitting and you hear girls just start screaming, ah! I've never seen a female run so fast before in my life out of the woods because she saw my buddy with his screen costume on. 
And so she comes sprinting out of there. Well, this is Lugolf. So the boys kind of gather around me, and they're like, there's somebody out there. Bo, there's somebody out there. And then all of a sudden, across the cemetery, my buddy comes out of the woods, and he hits his little glow-in-the-dark eyes. And the boys are like, let's get him. <laughs> and I'm sitting there thinking, what? You know, I didn't know the Lugolf culture at that time. Y'all like killing stuff, you know? And so they're like, let's get him. And so they jump the fence, and they run high, tail it across the cemetery, stepping on graves, doing whatever they got to do, because they're going to get him, you know? And I thought... Man, this is just different because back in the day, I'm like, hey, let's go into church. Let's lock all the doors. I've seen the horror movies, you know, and, and just bad stuff happens. You never go after the guy, you know. And, and, so, and so they took off running after him. Eventually, he kind of ran around and never caught him, got his, got his stuff off. And it's like, what were y'all running for, you know? But we had a real good time with that. Um, speaking of a graveyard, we're going to look at Ezekiel chapter 37, and we're going to see a story in there of, and it's really one of my favorite stories in the Bible, and I've preached on it a couple times, only because I, I just love the imagery of this story. And what happens here is Ezekiel is, a, is about to basically be taken to what you know, what we would call a graveyard or a battle scene. There's just dead bodies everywhere. And so they're like, oh, this is going to be awesome, right? But let me give you a background of the book of Ezekiel. Uh, Ezekiel lived from about 593 uh, is when his ministry kind of started. But something happened at about 597. There was this uprising uh, in, in Jerusalem. And what had happened was, um, with this uprising, the Babylonians were, were in charge, and they, they basically, you know, were, were over, they'd conquered uh, Israel and all that. So in Jerusalem, they had this uprising, so what happened was the Babylonians came in, and basically we see what is the first exile. Basically, they realized that, hey, if we separate these people, it's a lot easier to control them. So they take a, a big bunch of basically people that, if we were here in Lugoff, they take a good bit of us and they move us away from everybody, away from family, away from friends, because they realize if we move them away, if we keep them separated, we can control them a little bit better. And what we see in these scriptures is this, is Ezekiel's one of the first wave that is moved. And so he goes, and it's about five years after he moves is when he starts writing and when he starts having these visions from God. Um, and so he's, he's been exiled for about five years. He's kind of in a state of depression a little bit um, because his whole thing that he thought was going to happen was, hey, I'm going to become a priest that is, that is what I feel like God has called me to do. And so um, he, he's, he's, he's getting ready, and he's like, but at age 30 is when you're basically uh, put into priesthood. And he was 30, and he's like, but I'm not home in Jerusalem. And remember, the culture's starting to change just a little bit because the Babylonians are kind of influencing the culture with the Israelites, so again, he's at this point where, hey, you know what? Since a little kid, I've been wanting to be a priest. I knew I was going to be a priest. And now he's at the point like, am I going to be? And then God kind of starts giving him some visions and starts trying to encourage him a little bit. And so we're going to catch up in uh, chapter 37. Um, and he says this, chapter 37, the first five verses, Ezekiel 37, one through five. 
Ezekiel says this, the hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and sat me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. Now again, I want you guys to think of the, the, the imagery here. You're sitting here, and as far as you can see, it's just like decay, right? It's like rot. And he led me around among them, and behold, there was very many on the surface of the valley, and behold, they were very dry. So they had been there for a while. And so again, he's kind of walking around, and what are you thinking? Death, you're thinking destruction, you're thinking, hey, this is hopelessness, this is despair, this just isn't, you know what, there's no sign of life anywhere. And then he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, oh Lord God, you know. He goes on, and then he said to me, prophesy over these bones, and say to them, oh dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. You shall live. There's some, some of you out there now, you know what, you've met Jesus face to face. You've given your life to Christ. And you know what, you're gonna understand when I say this because there's some of you guys in here, maybe you haven't. Maybe you're here because you're kind of testing things out. And you're, in fact, you're here and you might be thinking, why did I even come to church? I, I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm so low. I, 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 maybe you're looking for hope. Maybe you're looking for something. You're like, hey, I've hit rock bottom, and now I'm trying to figure out, hey, what's the next step? I need something. And I kind of maybe feel a little bit like those dry bones that you're talking about now. There's just not much life in me. First thing we need to do if you want to start to live, is we need to start to believe. It's my first point here this morning, believe. See, there is always hope in God. He brings bone, I'm sorry, he brings hope to the hopeless. And it doesn't matter how low or how long or what is going on in your life, and you're at that valley, God can still pick you up. God can still use you. God can still do amazing things through you. But the first thing we have to do is we need to understand there is a God and we have to believe in that God. And he gives us a great example in Numbers chapter 21. Numbers chapter 21, what's going on is the Israelites have left out of, uh, um, uh, they've left out of Egypt. Uh, they've been in slavery for a number of generations and basically, God is saying, hey, I've got this promised land for you. That's where you're heading. It's full of milk and honey. It's awesome. But to get the point A, in, or to start at point A to point B, they're kind of in between these two things. And what we continue to see is we continue to see the Israelites rebelling against God. They keep turning their back on God. And here's the thing. Maybe some of you guys, God has been knocking. God's been sitting there and he's like, hey, wake up, wake up. I'm right here. I'm right here. But you continue to continue to do your thing. You continue to turn your back. You continue to try to do things your way. And what happens is what we just continue to fall deeper and deeper and deeper in that valley. Why? Because you continue to do it your way. And God's saying, try my way. And he's been speaking to the Israelites during this generation um, of Moses that saw God do more than any other generation in the history of the world. But they continue to turn their back on him. And so God decides, hey, I need to give a picture of belief. 
And so he decides that, you know what, he brings down these fiery serpents, snakes, and says snakes start biting the Israelites. And some of them start to die. Some of them are sick. Some of them, you know what, they, they, they sit there and you know what, they're in agony. And he tells Moses, hey, build, make out of bronze this serpent, and then I want you to hold it up. And what happens is this, is this, this golden serpent, we, he, look, he says, when you look upon it, you will be healed. Now, why don't you understand this? I don't know how big this thing on a pole would have been. I don't think it would have been so big. But we're also talking about a couple million people that are probably going from point A to point B. And if you're on the outskirts of a, probably a couple million people and you get bit, I don't think you can get to that serpent real quick, can you? But here's what we see with those guys when they're bit. Dude, they're probably crawling over people. They're, they're in a sprint to get as close as they can to this image, this, this, this serpent that can heal them. It says, and then when they look upon it, when they believe, they are healed. See, they knew that that was a matter of life or death. It's a matter of life or death. If they didn't have anti-venom like we do now, they get bit, you die. And so they realize, hey, I get bit, I'm dying. As soon as I get bit, I need to get over there because every second counts until we see that serpent. And then all of a sudden they see that serpent and they're miraculously healed because they believe in it. And so God gives us that example of what does belief look like? Belief looks like when you run to it and you know that you're gonna die if you don't have it. That's God. If you're sitting here and you don't know Jesus, if you're sitting here and you've never had a relationship with Jesus, understand this, you're dead. Real life is Jesus. And you can sit here and you know what, you can turn your back on him and you can continue to go into the pit and get deeper and deeper and deeper into the pit. Why? When your hope is Jesus. Because right now you've been doing it your own way and it's been hopeless, there's been despair. It looks death straight in the face. And Jesus says, all you got to do is just turn around. I'm right there. And believe. And believe. God says to Ezekiel here, do you believe these bones can come back to life? And if you believe, let's watch what happens. Second point is this. Feed on meat. Ezekiel 37 verses 7 through 8 says this. It says, so I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a sound, and behold, a rattling, and the bone came together, bone to bone. And I looked, and behold, there were sinews. Sinews are tendons, they're ligaments. Um, and so there were sinews and on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. See, sometimes we sit here and you know what? Maybe we looked apart, maybe we look alive, but we're still dead inside. Told this story before. Um, it's been a couple years ago, but I love this story because I think it pictures this. Uh, when I was growing up, we had this cat called Black Magic. And it was the, it had nothing but black. I mean, it was as black as black could be. And um, except for maybe its eyeballs, you know, I think they were green. But check this out. So Black Magic uh, got hit by a motorcycle one time, and it really, really messed him up bad. And it was at a point we didn't think he was going to live. He, it, you know, it actually messed the motorcycle, motorcyclist, cyclist up also. But the cat got hit. 
We thought there's no way this cat's going to live. And so we kind of threw it in a box and we fed it and we gave it some water. And eventually the cat got better and better and better. And it's like, oh man, black magic's going to make it. After that, probably a couple months later, black magic got mauled by a couple dogs. And we found black magic um, just, just covered in blood. Um, she was dead. And so we went out there and we buried the hole, you know, buried it, um, uh, covered it up. And, and, and so we kind of went along our business that night, went to bed, got up the next morning. Guess who's at the front door? Black magic. We don't know how, we don't know what happened, but apparently, like, because it's like, dude, he dug himself out. We thought he was dead. You know, and the only thing I'm picturing there again is mighty pythons, you know, the holy grail. I'm not dead yet, you know, as we're covering this, this cat up. And, but it finds us there, and what do we do? We take it, we clean him up, we kind of patch his wounds up a little bit, and then we put him in a box, because that's just kind of what we did when animals got hurt. And then what do we do? We fed and we watered it. There's something about feeding and watering, right, that brings life, that brings sustenance. And it's the same way when it comes to us in our spiritual life. We've got to be fed. God wants us to put meat on these bones. And the best way to put the meats on these bones is three ways that I talk to the students all the time about. First is talk with God, pray, talk with him. Talk with him like you would your best friend on the phone because Jesus is your best friend. Say, God, this is what's going on in my life. Maybe some of you guys need to start that conversation. God, I've never talked to you before, but today, you know what? We're going to start. So pray to him. Talk to him. Next thing, read his book. Man, you know what the Bible's called? It's called the bread of life, the bread. Read his book. Learn about him. Again, I do want to say this. Scripture is not about information. It's about transformation. Jesus is. And so again, read his love letter to you. And last but not least, do what you're doing here. Get around like-minded people, people who want to get to know God more, people who want to love on people, people um, that, that we get together there is iron sharpens iron, man shall sharpen man. That's what this is about. That's what small groups are about that we've been pushing for a while so that you can grow, that you can put meat on those bones. Next thing is this. We need to take a breath. Ezekiel 37 verses 9 and 10 says this, then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy son of man and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, all breathe and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me and the breath came into them. I just started reading today, so excuse me. It's a, it's a blind thing. Y'all wouldn't get it. Um, so check this out. So again, get the breath. The breath. Hey, one of my favorite shows uh, that's been on since 2010 is The Walking Dead. Some of y'all are like, really? You watch it? Yes, I do. Love it. I think the season premiere is coming out tonight. I'll be at home tonight watching it. Love it. Um, I don't know what, why, why some people are fascinated with horror movies and creepy stuff. I'm one of those people. For some reason, I love it. So I'll be watching that tonight. But this series started in 2010. And here's the thing. We had a themed uh, D-Now we did years ago that was called The Walking Dead, like greatest D-Now we ever did here. It was amazing. It was awesome. But there's this fascination, right, in our culture with the dead, 
And so this show really took off. Um, and, and, and it was at one point was, was probably like the number one, you know, watched uh, show, like cable show, like ever. You know, I mean, everybody who was anybody used to watch this show. So the kids, I remember having conversations with the teenagers. Why? Because we're basically, we're consumed sometimes with, again, death. We're consumed sometimes because of horror movies. And for some reason, you know what? That, that kind of just, just pulls us in, right? Some of you are like, no, not me. My wife's not a big horror movie fan. I am. Halloween hits, bro, I'm watching the 24 hours that's, that's on sci-fi or whatever it is because I love horror movies. And so we have this fascination with this. Again, and it started in 2010, this idea of the walking dead, these people who died, but then they come back to life. And it's kind of the picture that I have here of, of what's going on right here at this point. Like, again, it's saying, that, you know what, the tendons are coming together, the bones are coming together, things are rattling, all of a sudden we start seeing life. And life starts to hit these dead things and it's bringing them back. See, here's what I want to let you know. There are some of you guys that are out there right now, and it may be you, it may be a loved one, it may be a friend, it may be the person that you're at Walmart with, they are the walking dead. You know why? Although they look like they're alive, you're not alive until you meet Jesus face to face. You're just not and so maybe you've been out there and you've been trying to do this life thing by yourself and you're wondering, hey, why is my life so crummy? Here's the thing, give it to Jesus, give your life to Jesus and he'll show you what true life really is. Or you can continue to be miserable. You can continue to be in despair. It's your choice now because you've heard it. So what are you gonna do with that information? Do you just wanna continue to be the walking dead? So that when you end life here, you're going to have eternal life somewhere, but it ain't in heaven. Scripture tells us the only way to the Father is through the Son. If you don't know Jesus, you're not going to heaven. He's the only one that brings life. And if you haven't met him, you are the walking dead. Fourth thing is this. I want to read this. Ezekiel 37.10 says, and they lived and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Let me say that again. And they lived and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Those out there who have given your life to Christ, it's time for you to join the army. Because you weren't made, you weren't meant to be idle beings. You were meant to be the hands and feet of Jesus. You weren't meant just to come in here and say, hey, you know, man, I just want to go do all the Bible studies, and I'm going to read all this scripture, and I've got all this knowledge about Jesus, but you never do anything with it, shame on you. We are called, Matthew 28, to go and be disciples, to go and make disciples, to go tell people about Jesus. And if you know Jesus, if you learned about Jesus, if you've got all this information that you have about Jesus, go share it. It's not just my job, it's not just Andrew's job, it's not just Keith's job, it's not Tiffany's job, it's all our jobs is to go tell people about Jesus because people are dying every day around us who don't know Jesus, which means what? We have failed. Remember having a conversation, I do a world religion class right now, um, and uh, one of the students asked me, they were like, and this, I, I, I'm not trying to stir anything up, but she asked me, she says, well, what about the people like, that don't hear? What about like, like the tribes in Africa or, or somewhere in the middle of the Amazon that don't know about Jesus? 
what happens to them? And I told him, I said, sweetie, the only thing I know is the only way to the Father is through the Son. And I remember looking, she goes, but it ain't right. I said, no, what it ain't is, is us being lazy Christians, calling ourselves Christians and not doing anything about it. Their blood's on our hands for not going to the four corners of this earth and telling people about Jesus. It's our fault. Because God tells us over and over and over again to share Jesus with any and everyone that we can. And here's the thing, God wants to put this army together. Why? Not to go conquer someone, but he wants to put it together so that you know what? We can conquer death in this world. And how do we do that? Only through Jesus. So we have to be part of that army that says, you know what? Enough is enough. How can I get involved? How can I help? Listen, I've got some people on Wednesday night that do security. Hope they're not here. They do great. But I don't want them too much near um, the teenagers because I'm afraid they might like handcuff them and beat them with a baton. But they do great with security because they'll handcuff someone and beat them with a baton if they're trying to come here and do something bad, you know. But they don't play well with others. They bite, you know. But here's the thing. They're willing to serve and willing to be a part of stuff. By the way, that's just kind of funny. They, they, yeah, they probably would bite you. Um, but check it out. There's somewhere for you. Because you might say, hey, I don't know if I really like people. You're not called to like people, but you're called to love them. So be willing to be the hands and the feet. Listen, we got a great ministry here on Monday night, feeding the needy. You don't necessarily have to maybe mingle, but you can be back there kind of putting bags together, you know, cooking food, doing something. We got a children's ministry over here. Would love for you to come over and be a part of what's going on there. We got a student ministry here on Wednesday night. Would love for you to be a part of it and come be a, and, 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 and you know really pour into these teenagers. So be part of the army. A couple years ago, mouse getting dry. I don't know if it's medication or not. Sorry. A couple years ago, I think it was. Right after Kim and I got married, um, had this uncle, and I've, I've told this story a couple times, but it's just one of those stories that, you know what, I can't get around. It's, it's kind of a cool story. Um, uncle Steve had this aneurysm, and so he was put in the hospital, and while I was in the hospital, I don't know exactly the details of what happened, um, but all of a sudden, he's in ICU, he's unconscious. And the doctor brings the family in, and they basically said, hey, you know, here's what's going on. Um, we, we think he's brain dead. Um, and so what we would recommend is you guys go ahead and pull the plug. And I remember my, my aunts and uncles were like, no, 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 we're not doing that. And he's like, well, listen, here's the thing. If you don't, you know, um, he, there's, there's going to be something wrong with him. You know, if he lives through this, which he probably, in my medical opinion, is as soon as we pull this plug, he's going to die. And so the family got together and talked about it, like, well, we don't want to see him suffer. You know, um, we're not sure what'll happen. And so they came and talked to the doctor. And I remember my, my aunt Nell was like, God's going to do a miracle. And the doctor looked at her, and I thought it was just great because he looked at her and he goes, if he's going to do a miracle, it's going to be when we pull that plug. Right now, I think the, he's just not going to make it. And so they go in, and they finally agree, let's pull the plug. They pull the plug. The machine, shh, you know, it's kind of breathing the air in. Shh. 
then you just see it stop. And the family starts getting a little bit emotional. And about that time, Uncle Steve coughs. He pulls off his mask. He says, what are y'all doing here? And I sat there and I thought, as I'm reading this story, he was the one that kept coming to my, coming to my, 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 my thought as I was putting this message together was, that's the breath of life. So we don't have life until Jesus breathes into us. And I remember this, this moment really infecting him and, and, and really changing his life, which I guess meeting death face to face will. And I remember sitting here thinking, and the doctor's like, I can't explain it. He should be dead. And I started thinking about, as I was putting into this with, with my Uncle Steve, was like, the reason he's not dead, the reason y'all aren't dead, is because God's not done with you. See, every day we wake up, and God puts that breath in our lungs. He's not done with us. He's got a purpose for us. But the question is going to be is this, is what is your purpose? If you've given your life to Christ, your purpose is to go tell people. If you haven't given your life to Christ, man, what I want to do right now is this, is let you know that, hey, it don't matter how far you think you're away from your God. It doesn't matter how low you are in that pit where you think there's no way that anything can reach there and pull me out. What I want to tell you is, don't underestimate Jesus, because my Jesus spits stars out of his mouth. My Jesus is the one that knit you in your mother's womb. My Jesus is the one that breathed life into your lungs. And my Jesus is the one, when I take my last breath here on this earth, he's going to grab my hand from the deathbed, and he's going to walk me into eternity. That's my Jesus. And what I want to know this morning is this, do you want that? Do you want to know? Because my Jesus is incredible. My Jesus is awesome. My Jesus performs miracles. And the greatest miracle he ever performed was this. When he died on the cross and they put him in a tomb, three days later he rose from the grave so that he conquered death, not for him, but for us. And he says, if you come, if you believe in me, if you trust in me, I will give you eternal life. But have you done it? This morning maybe it's the time that you have that conversation with God because he's sitting there arms wide open. And he's saying, hey, you've been running from me a long time. You're tired and you don't feel like you can continue to go on. Give it to me. Give it to me and let me show you what happens when you give your life for real life, which is in Jesus. Let's pray real quick. Father, this morning as we get ready to close this service out, Father, I pray that we sing to a God that has given it all for us so that we should give it all for him. And Lord, I pray that you know what, that there's a rumbling that comes from this sanctuary here this morning that wakes up Lugolf. I pray, Father, there's a movement that starts in this building right here that absolutely impacts our community for your kingdom, Jesus. And I pray that you do something great through each one of these people, Father, and give them the vision. Give them the roadmap to where it is they need to go, who it is they need to speak to, so that we can sit back and watch you do miracles as we are your hands and feet, Jesus. So I pray this morning that you move us in a way that moves us, that gets us up. So Jesus, you're amazing. We love you, and I pray that you bless this week. In your precious name, amen. Let's stand.